Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3. This is Moses speaking to the children of Israel. He knows his life is soon to be over. And in the book of Deuteronomy, we have him delivering, reminding the children of Israel of some things about God and God's word. Amen. About their experience in the wilderness. They're about to step into the promised land. And it's not just going to be given to them. They're going to have to fight for it. But he's reminding them of some very critical things. How many of you know when somebody is, they know their life, the end of their life is in view, their words get serious and essential, very direct. Uh, you can boil down what they're saying to some important things. And this is the atmosphere in which we read or, or hear this passage of scripture right here and he humbled you talking about the nation of Israel and let you hunger and fed you with manna which you did not know that word manna actually means what is it I don't know <laughs> what is it nor did your fathers know that he might make you to know amen how many of you are thankful that in the midst of things that we don't know God is trying to teach us some things that he might make you to know that man does not live by bread alone. Amen. But man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Amen. This is how we live. Amen. Why don't you close your Bibles, if you would, and lift your hands up to the Lord right now. Let's thank him for his word. Lord, thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for those Bibles I just saw in the hands of so many people, Lord. Those tablets, Lord Jesus, and devices, God, that we've been given to hold your word and study your word with, oh God. We are grateful for it. We give you praise for it. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You can be seated. God is good at asking questions. Amen. If you've looked through the Bible and just looked for those question marks. There's a lot of good questions that God asked in the Bible. The very first question God asked in the Bible was to Adam and Eve, and it was simply this, where are you? Where are you? Now, it certainly wasn't a question God was asking for information, right? He wasn't confused at, as to the location of Adam and Eve. He was wanting Adam and Eve to pay attention to where they were. These are, these are the kinds of questions that God asks humanity to get us to think about where we're at. Where are you? It's a good question. Amen. What is in your hand? This was a question he was asking Moses when Moses was being uh, charged with the important job of leading the children of Israel, and he was trying to back out of it actually, and, and saying, well, I'm not really fit for this job. I can't do this. I've got all these Inabilities. Here was a man who was trained by Pharaoh his, himself. He was trained to be a military leader. And yet, when God was asking him to be a leader, he was, he was kind of trying to fudge on the job. And God, God said to him, what is that in your hand? It was a staff in Moses' hand. And God used that to help Moses lead the children of Israel. The prophet Elijah, after such a great, great uh, show of God's power, is being chased by a woman 
named Jezebel. And he is hiding in a cave. And so God simply asked him, what are you doing here? Why are you hiding? What in the world are you doing in this cave? Amen. He asked Job, after almost a full book of Job, God in chapter 38 begins to deliver some questions, a rapid fire list of questions to Job that began with this. Oh, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to call you into counsel here. Where were you? Where were you when I laid the foundations of this earth? Where were you? I'm going to make you stand up and take this like a man, he said to him. What about the question he asked Ezekiel in Ezekiel 37? He'd taken Ezekiel in a vision to a valley of dry bones. And God's question to Ezekiel was, Hey, Ezekiel, can these bones live? That's what I would have done. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, only you know, Lord. Only you know. Jesus said to his disciples, Who do you say I am? That was the question. Peter got it right. But how many of you realize that sometimes we can get things right and then on the very hills of getting something right, we can say the most stupid things. And Jesus looked at Peter after uh, Peter rebuking Jesus because of his, uh, the way he was going to die. And Jesus said to the one who had just declared, Thou art the Christ! Jesus said to him, Get thee behind me, Satan. Boy, it went downhill fast for Peter, didn't it? <laughs> Amen. The question I want us to consider here this morning, though, comes from Isaiah 55. Isaiah 55 in verse number 2. It's a question God's been asking me. And so it's been making me squirm a little bit, I'll be honest with you. And so I thought that if I had to squirm a little bit, it was, it was something that you needed to enjoy as well. And so here I am delivering God's question to me, and I think it's a question that we all need to be asked as well. Why do you spend your money for what is not bread? Why do you labor for that which cannot satisfy? Why is your life so focused on all those things that can never truly make you happy Never satisfy the longing in your soul. Why are you spending your money for, money for that which is not bread, that which will not nourish you? And you spend all your energy for that will never, which will never satisfy you. He goes on to say, listen to me diligently, diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourself in rich food. And what he was saying was that I've got something that will de deliver nourishment to you. I've got something that will satisfy you. In fact, it is so, so important. It's, so, it's essential that you have this. One translation of that verse simply says it this way. Uh, why do you spend your money on junk food? Why do you spend your money, your hard-earned cash, on cotton candy? 
I, I happen to like cotton candy, but here's the thing. Cotton candy, three meals a day, seven days a week, 52 weeks out of the year. That would make me a sick boy. There's some things we think are essential. I wake up every morning thinking that a cup of coffee is essential to get my day started. Amen. I got some coffee drinkers in the house. Say amen. I know there's some non-coffee drinkers in the house, but we're not going to give you a vote this morning. <laughs> we're just waiting for you to grow up. <laughs> oh, no, no. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Brother Darrell, I'm sorry, brother. I know. <laughs> We think certain items of clothing are essential for our wardrobe. You know, we get told that, oh, that sports jacket is essential for the, a businessman's wardrobe, or that, that uh, blouse, or that skirt, those shoes, those are essential for your wardrobe. You've got to have these things. You just absolutely got to have them. Tools. Boy, I tell you what, I get told that often through emails and uh, Home Depot, visiting Home Depot. You've got to have that tool. And often I, I give in to the temptation and buy a tool or two. Beauty supplies, beauty rest. You've got to have your beauty rest, and I agree with that. I need a whole lot of it. And it's not working. I'll just have to tell you, it's just not working, at least not for me. Entertainment. We, we get told that entertainment is essential. You've got to have this package to deliver entertainment to your home. You've got to have the internet. We get told that the internet is essential, right? Just, just absolutely got to have the internet. And yet for centuries we lived without it. Mankind did well and probably uh, in some ways did better than uh, we're doing today because and I'm, I'm thankful for the internet. I'm certainly not wanting it to go away, but uh, is essential. And I'm about to tread on some dangerous ground here. There's some things called essential Oils. Oh, yeah. Hey, you know what? I love the smell of lavender when I'm going to sleep. I really do. It's, it's awesome. But I talked to somebody just a few days ago, and they said they had some essential oils in their home, but they had never used them. So I just simply asked the question, how essential is it? I mean, just how essential is it if you've got it in your home and you never have used it? Just a question for you to consider here this morning. Amen. We tend to equate some things as essential that are not. Now, I know we need food, right? We've been taught this. These are essentials. Food, water, shelter, air. You've got to have air. I heard about a guy who held his breath for 22 minutes. 22 minutes. Now he didn't just decide one day to hold his breath that long. He trained for, for months and, and probably years to, to expand his lungs and be able to do that. There was somebody I read about who did not eat solid food for 385 days. Drank juices and ate, had to take, took vitamins. He was under a doctor's care. He lost a lot of weight obviously. When he did that, uh, there was somebody who went, uh, according to Google, and I know when it's on Google, it's, it's absolutely true. But according to Google, there was a man who lived without water for 18 days because he got locked in a prison cell in some country somewhere, and they forgot about him for 18 days. 
barely alive when they found him, but thank goodness they found him. You know, there are some things that are essential to our living, but this verse in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3 tells us that of all of life's essentials, God's word is most essential. God's word is most essential to our lives. If we can live a few days without food or without bread, here is what God's word declares to us. We cannot live a moment, not even a, a, a portion of a moment, without God's word. In fact, this, this whole universe and what we see and experience in life itself is held together by God's word. And he says of his word, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. This essential book that we have in our hands. Just a simple question. Why do we spend our money for that which is not bread and our labor for that which can not satisfy? Essential, it means it's absolutely necessary. Life-sustaining. These words that we read from the book of Deuteronomy, it's Moses' last words, it's part of Moses' last words to the children of Israel. He knows he is about to die. And Israel is going to go on to conquer the promised land. The leadership is going to change. And so he is telling them some things they need to hear. He's reminding them of some things. And one of the things he reminded them of is the essentiality of God's word in our lives and how important it is for us to have God's word. We need to be reminded of that this morning, New Life Church. Those watching this this morning, we need to be reminded of the fact that we cannot live without God's word in our lives. In our relationship with it. Oh, come on. Saying of God, how long's it been since you've opened up the good book on a Monday morning or a Tuesday evening by yourself and asked God to speak to you, you, you by yourself as you read God's word. Here it is, folks. We can't get what we need just by coming to church on a Sunday morning and coming to this place on a Wednesday evening. We've got to have a relationship with this book that carries, that carries us day by day by day by day. Amen. Man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God does man live. Amen. It's essential. Essential that we have a relationship with this, this good book. And I would declare to you, you need to get yourself an analog version of the Bible if you don't have one. Amen. Come on. Somebody should have said amen for that. Now look, I use digital all, all the time, every day. Uh, and I think you'd be, I, in fact, I'll say you need digital as well. You need to be able to search things and look things up and read uh, the, the, a particular passage in a different translation to try to grapple with it and get your mind around, around what it's saying. But we need to sometimes get along with God without all the distractions that a digital version of God's Word can bring to us. And we need, need to just get with God and Him, Him and His Word. Have a relationship with it. Amen. Timothy is hearing from Paul in 2 Timothy. This is Paul's last farewell in 2 Timothy. He knows his life is about to come to a close. And so he begins to deliver to Timothy some things about his faith. He says in, in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 
2, verse number 5. I am reminded of your sincere faith, Timothy, your genuine faith that was in you. And it also was in your grandmother, Lois, and in your mother, Eunice. And it is now in you, Timothy. And for this reason, I want to remind you to fan into flame the gift that is in you. Fan that into flame, that gift of God, which was given to you by the laying on of hands. For God has not given us the spirit of fear. He's not given us a spirit that is fearful, but a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind or a, of self-control. Amen. He begins to remind Timothy of his heritage of faith that came from the word of God. He goes on to tell him in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, uh, that he should study to show himself approved of a God, a, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. He needs to do his best to present himself as one, to God as one that is approved. Amen. How important the word of God is in our lives. Amen. About 14 months ago, God got my attention. And I began to realize that, hey, life, uh, life has an exp expiration date on it. Sometimes we don't think about that. But every single one of us need to do as Moses declared in Psalm 90. We need to number our days that it might, might apply our hearts to wisdom, that we may gain insight into life and understand just like Moses was trying to declare to the children of Israel and just like Paul was trying to illustrate to Timothy, life uh, is, is limited and we've got to understand that there's some essentials in life that we've got to have. We've got to have the book of God, the word of God in our lives. We've got to hold on to it because there's some things that can shake our world. You've had it happen to you, a diagnosis or a death of a loved one or something happened that rattled your word, a near-death experience, a dream, something that got your attention. And for a few hours, maybe a few days, you were able to see clear enough to know that there were some things that were essential and there were some things that were not so important. Amen. And God needs to remind us of this as he asks all of us this question, why do you spend your energy, your life, on that which does not satisfy, that which will not nourish you? Amen. I don't think God's upset when we buy a new tool. I don't think he hates that we have essential oils in our houses and we use them. I just think he wants to be the priority. Amen. His word ought to be the priority. That's what God is reminding me of. There's some things that are okay to have, but there's some essentials. And one of them is God's word. We don't live by bread alone, folks. We can't exist simply by eating nourishing natural food. We've got to have God's word in our lives. We've got to know God's words because we've got to be nourished and strong because we live in a society today that's got questions, lifestyles that, that uh, boggle, boggle our minds and keep us uh, wondering how in the world are we going to be able to answer this society in which we live. And I'm telling you, the answers are not going to come from our minds and from society itself. The answers for our society is going to come from the book of God, God's word. This is how we're going to be able to answer our society. And we've got to know what this book says. And we've got to know what God's word declares to us. 
It's essential. It's absolutely essential. Amen. Job said it this way, I have esteemed or I have treasured the words of your mouth more than my necessary food. In other words, my daily food. If I had to choose, Job was saying, between having a meal, if it comes down to it, and thankfully it, it hasn't got there yet, but if it comes down to it, I'm going to choose God's word because my spirit needs to be nourished. How long? Just a question. How long has it been since you've had a good nourishing meal? Maybe it was this morning. Maybe it was last night. Let me ask you this. How long have you ever gone without natural food? A few days when God called you on the fast? But how long has it been since we have dug into God's word and delivered a meal from God's word for ourselves? Just a question, something to consider. Why do you spend your money for that which is not food and you, you labor for that which does not satisfy? In a few moments, we're going to come to the front of this building. And I'm just going to simply ask you, when we give this call, I'm just going to ask you to commit to God's Word. Commit to reading it and studying it. Commit to knowing it. Because there's some things, the essentials that we've got to have in our life. We can't live without this book. Hey, listen, folks. Uh, Christianity is not, not just a nice label. It's a lifestyle. Something that changes the way we act, changes how we conduct life. And if we don't know what this wonderful book that God has delivered to us says, how can we conduct ourselves in a manner that's pleasing to Him? Amen. I thank God for what is delivered from this pulpit and the classrooms across this campus. Thank God for good teachers and good preachers. But I'm declaring to every single one of us, me included, I can't make it on just what happens here. I've got to have a relationship with God's word. I've got to have it because this society of all societies demands that we know, every single one of us in this building to, this morning and listening to this and watching this, this world, the society demands that we know what God's word says. Amen. This society will tell you we can't know what God says. But I declare to you, yes, we can know. God's word is understandable. You can understand God's word. You can know what God's word says. Mark Twain said it this way. It's not the parts of God's word that I don't understand that cause me trouble, cause me problems. It's the parts of God's word that I do understand that cause me trouble and cause me problems. Because the parts that we do understand are calling us to obedience. Amen. Jesus tells us a story in Matthew chapter 7. And he says this, that there was, there's two men who built houses. One dug into the rock, laid the foundation of that house on the rock. And when the winds came, the rain came, the flood came, that house was able to stand. Jesus 
tells us this parable so that to illustrate this, that it's important not just to know God's word, but it's important for us to be obedient to God's word. We've got we to be obedient. Knowing it is, is, is awesome, but obedience lays a foundation in our life that when the storms of life come, we're able to stand. And I'm going to declare to you this morning that we're going to have some storms. So uh, the, the God's word is important that we have it in our lives so that when the storms come, we're able to stand. It gives us a foundation. That's one of the most important principles that we can have in God's words, that it gives us a foundation upon which we can stand when the storms come. Because the truth is the storms are going to come. And we've got to have this foundation in our lives. Amen. Not only do we need a foundation, but we need a weapon in our hands. What Paul is telling Timothy, that you, you're, you're in the midst of evil people and imposters. These kind of people. He, he tells us in chapter 3, uh, he tells Timothy that you're going to live in a world where, where people don't love God. They love pleasure more than they love God. And we need, we need to be able to, to have God's word in our hearts so much so that when temptation comes our way, we're able to deliver to the tempter the word of God. Amen. This is what Jesus did, right? When he was tempted, every time he was tempted, what did he say? He said, it is written. Amen. Come on, come on, shout that to me right now. It is written. Come on, we got to get good at saying to the devil, it is written. Come on, shout it to me again. It is written. This is what we got to be able to say to the enemy when he comes against us. But we got to know what the word of God says before we can say that. Amen. There are so many things that people believe that today that are not in this book. They they believe it. I read a, an article years ago about a late lady by the name of Sheila, and uh, the interviewer was asking her what she believed, what her religious uh, leanings were, and uh, she said, uh, "She said, what do you call it? You know, what kind of are you? Are you Pentecostal or are you Methodist?" Or she says, "No, I'm. Uh, well, I just call it Sheilaism. <laughs> I've taken some beliefs from this religion and that religion, and I've just kind of melded it together." You know, it's, it's, it's what I want, you know. It's my way. I'm telling you, folks, there's things that sometimes I hear out of the mouth of people who, who call themselves Christian that puzzle me. There's some things, I have to be honest, that I have believed in the past, that when I got in God's Word, God's Word started messing with my belief system. And this is the way we've got to approach God's word. We do not approach God's word with a made-up mind about a topic. We approach God's word and say, okay, God, what are your, is your word saying? We draw the meaning out of it. We don't press a meaning into God's word. We've got to know what God's word says. We can't, we can't have any of this Sheilaism stuff. We've got to know what God's word says. This is what Paul said to Timothy in verse 15, and that from a childhood you have been acquainted, you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise unto salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. 
Amen. We got to understand that this book, this book is the book of salvation. Not only is it a place for a foundation for our life when, when life brings us storms, and thank God for that. Not only is it a weapon that we can use against the enemy and we can shout to the enemy and declare to him, it is written. But this book is the book of salvation. It is the only book of salvation. There is no other way. Jesus declared it this way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. We've got to know this in this society. I'm not trying to be narrow-minded, but I'm trying to tell you this is what God's word has declared to us. He is the way. He is the truth. Amen. He is uh, the life. There is no other way but through Jesus. Amen. This is what he declared. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not making that up. This is what he declared about himself. He said, I'm the door into the sheepfold. You don't get into the sheepfold without coming through me. Amen. Jesus himself declared to Nicodemus, you must be born again. You must be born of water and of spirit. This is what God's word declares. It's not some religious dogma. This is God's word. This is what Jesus himself said. Amen. So not only is it a foundation and a weapon in our hands, but it is the book of salvation. Amen. We've got to know this. It's essential that we know this about God's word. And fourthly, we've got to understand this. This book, this book gives us a purpose for our lives. Amen. I'm so thankful we've got people who are answering the call to missions. I'm, I'm so thankful that we've got people who are answering the call to have church in their homes, baptize people in their swimming pools. I'm so thankful that people are answering the call to, to minister to their neighbors and love their neighbors. Be, be that good neighbor because God's word declares to us a purpose for our lives. T.W. Barnes, I know I've said it from this pulpit before, but let me say it again. I remember as a young person in a youth camp in Louisiana, Tioga, Louisiana. If you've ever been down there, you, you know Tioga. What a great place. We have a great place here in Arkansas called Redfield where great things happen in the lives of people. I've heard the voice of God in Redfield for my life. I know the young people, you, you've heard God's voice over the last many days, and these children have heard God's voice speaking to them in those meetings. I remember T.W. Barnes saying, he leaned across the pulpit, he was already uh, up in years, but he said, uh, some, some of us, we cross ho the Holy Ghost Bridge. We just want to sit down. It's God, God's got so much for us. God's got so much for us to do. We want to just cross the Holy Ghost Bridge and just sit down. His raspy voice, he would say. I say, young people, God filled you with the Holy Ghost, but you need to let the Holy Ghost get a hold of you and use you. This is what Paul said to Timothy. This word, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's God breathe and it's profitable for teaching, for doctrine for reproof we don't like it when we get reproved but hey I'm glad God loves me enough to not let me just be as I am 
And so sometimes this word has to get in my business so I can, I can be saved and so I can do what God's called me to do for instruction in righteousness. This is what this book does. It goes on to tell us that the man of God or the child of God, the messenger of God may be thoroughly furnished or complete for all good works. One translation says it this way, that you might be ready for any assignment that God gives you. It's essential that we don't just come to church and hear a sermon and say, oh, that was good. But that we get in this book because God wants to equip us. He wants us to be ready when the assignment comes. We've got to have this book in our hearts and in our minds. We've got to be living by it so that when the assignment comes, we know what to do because we've been in His Word. I just have to admit to you, God's been calling me to a more uh, in-depth relationship. I'm not talking about spending just uh, more and more time just reading this, but considering what it says so that it can affect my life and the way that I act and how I live and my faith when I get in a situation when I, I don't know what to do, that I'll be able to turn to this book for wisdom and direction. Oh, please. And I know we get a lot of compliments about this church. I am so thankful to be a part of this great church. All kinds of compliments that I hear. And I know as members, you hear compliments about this church when somebody shows up on this campus or they meet you somewhere in the city and they know you attend this church. we got great music. Thank God for that. Anointed music. We've we got to have it. It's a, it is essential that we have that. we got children's programs that are awesome. Our children are being taught the Word of God and how to li live. And, and, and thank God for that. Our, our youth are being taught. Our young adults are being taught. We've got programs that are awesome, that, that, uh, that are so good uh, that so many people are envious of. Look at this campus that God has blessed us with. So beautiful. And this, these buildings that God has blessed us with. But oh, oh, that it might be said of us like it was said of those Jews in Berea. When Luke recorded this about them, they searched the scriptures daily. As Paul taught, they went home and they searched the scriptures daily to, to confirm that what he was saying was true. This has got to be a New Life Church. This has got to be a quality of this church. That We've got to be that kind of people that we don't just say, okay, well, Pastor Larry said it, so it must be true. No, we got to get in this book and search it for ourselves so that we might be able to confirm whether or not what is being preached is true. we got to know this book. It's not just for the preachers. Mom, you got to know it because you got to raise your child in truth. Dad, you got to know it so you can tell your children what it says and example it before them. Amen. we got to know this book. And I, uh, I'm just coming to you. I, I know I've got, a, I've got a, a hopefully 30, 30 more years, 33 more years. That's how long my mother lived, to be 93. So I'm 60. I hope I've got 33 years. But if, if, if this is my last message, 
Oh, may, may you hear what I'm saying to New Life Church this morning. We have got to get in this book. We have got to know this book. You're not too young to know this book. You're not too old to study this book. This is what this society needs is people who know God's word. It's essential. You can hold your breath for a few minutes. You can go a few days without food or without water. But I'm telling you, man does not live by bread alone. But man lives by every word that proceeds out of mouth, God's mouth. Amen. This is how we live. We truly live. So the question that Isaiah asked the children of Israel... God's been asking me, and I'm asking it to you. Why do you spend your money for what is not bread? Why do you labor for that which will not satisfy you? You've got to have this book. It will nourish us. If we're going to be strong into the future, we're going to have to be a church that's built on this Not some dogma. This book. It's got to be what we love. Amen. I thank God for everything that God has blessed this church with. But may, may it be said of us. They searched the scriptures daily. To see whether what was being preached from their pulpits. And taught in their Sunday school classrooms. Was so. They were people of the word. Amen. Would you stand with me? I said it earlier, and here's the, here's the altar call. Would you, would you make a commitment? Now, I'm not asking you to come to the front just because it's protocol. But I would love for every single person in this building to say, hey, it is time for me to up my commitment to God's Word. Would you do that? If you will, just come to the front right now this, this morning. And let's make another commitment to the Lord that says, I'm going to get in your word. It's essential. It's essential that I know this book. It's essential that I have a relationship with it because I've, I've got to have a foundation because life's going to send some storms my way, some afflictions are going to come my way, and I've got to be able, persecutions are going to come my way, and I've got to be able to stand strong. There's some temptations that are going to come my way. And I've got to know what God's word says so I can stand strong against those temptations. We're being told that we don't need to be saved. We're being told that oh, all these other ways are okay too. God's word declares that that's not so. Amen. Amen. Oh, let's fight against this tendency to just be a member of a church. Oh, may we answer the call to do good works. Right now, let's pray, Lord, right now in the name of Jesus. Oh, God. Oh, God, in the name of Jesus. Oh, Lord, thank you, God, for this good book that nourishes us, oh, Lord, and strengthens us, oh, God. Oh, Lord, help us, Lord, to res respond to your call, oh, Lord Jesus to the abundant life, oh God, that your word gives us. This is why sometimes we struggle with our faith.
because we don't know your word, oh God. So Lord Jesus, oh God, we know that faith comes by hearing and hearing by your word, oh God. And so Lord, help us, God, to make a, another commitment this morning, Jesus. Oh, to your word, to knowing your word, studying your word. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Oh, right now, God, send your spirit to call us to answer the question, Lord Jesus, that you're asking us this morning. Oh, Lord Jesus, help us, God. Oh, Lord Jesus, to come to your word. Let's eat, oh God, from your word, Lord Jesus, we pray right now, God. In the name of Jesus, let your spirit call us, oh Lord. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.